Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Neymar's 222 million transfer to Paris Saint-Germain made him the most expensive player in history. Neymar is on his way to PSG. The release clause activated uh, 222 million euros. The move was meant to elevate the club and the player to the very top and win the greatest prizes in the game. Now 31, Neymar is off to the Saudi Pro League. The next step in a career that divides opinion. A generational talent, genius, or is it a case of talent unfulfilled? Let's find out. I'm Ayoa Kimwalere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Neymar. Rodrigo returns it. Neymar. They're walking their way through. Neymar! That's what we've been waiting for! Oh, 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 where do we get started with this one? This is an absolutely beautiful subject. I love Brazil. I love talking Neymar. In the studio, we have Pete Rutzler, our PSE correspondent. He's back with us again, also joined by French football writer Tom Williams and Brazilian football writer Renato Senizi. We'll catch up with the Athletics' Carl Anka a little later on as well. Let's dig into this. Let's start by getting the latest on where we are at the time of recording. Pete, another footballing casualty, heads to Saudi Arabia. But looking at the ever-changing geopolitical influences in football right now, is there any surprise that Neymar is heading to Saudi Arabia? Mm, no, I suppose he's sort of the symbol, isn't he? If we go back to 2017, he was that big statement of intent from from PSG's Qatari backers. And again, he finds himself you know, drifting along with the winds of change and becoming maybe the, the marquee signing, well, at least so far, I think. Um, to move to Saudi Arabia. So that's done, that's completed. He is an Al-Halal player to £80 million, I believe, and a salary that, you know, I think some in Paris believe is €150 million, which is quite extraordinary sums. And it brings to a close an interesting six-year period, as you sort of outlined, there's sort of a divided sense about what he's achieved. I think there's an element of what, what he's achieved for the club. There's an element of what he could have achieved as a player. And I think the fact that he's now gone to the Saudi Pro League at 31, you know, that's an age where as a player, that's a, you know, it's a key moment in your career, isn't it? You should be at the top, top of your game. And he's going to a startup league, essentially, you know, the Saudi Pro League could be incredibly competitive. We've seen the players that they're bringing in, but it's not there yet. And I think that sort of tells its own story about his journey in Paris. Yeah, for sure. Let, let's talk about that, that journey in Paris. What's the reaction been, Tommy, in, in Paris? Neymar finally leaving PSG. Yes, yeah, as, as Pete said, I think it's a, a sense of, of what could have been. Um, I think if you analyse those six years, ultimately, it's it's been a failure because he was signed to win the Champions League, which he and PSG failed to do, albeit coming a lot closer than I think a lot of people remember uh, in, in 2020. That final against Bayern Munich was played on a knife edge the whole way through. Neymar was exceptional in the knockout rounds. And if things had gone slightly differently in that final PSG would have ended up winning the Champions League. And in one fell swoop, the move to Paris becomes a success. 
uh, and he achieves the one thing that he was brought to to, to achieve uh, in, in a collective sense. In an individual sense, the move to PSG was supposed to take him out of Lionel Messi's shadow and then who ends up following through the door <laughs> a few years later but Lionel Messi. Yeah. And it was supposed to you know help him win the Ballon d'Or. That obviously didn't happen. I mean, he's he's never been further away uh, from winning a Ballon d'Or as, as, as he is currently. You suspect that will probably never happen. Um, a lot of things were beyond his control, that the injuries notably, I mean, the cruelest, cruelest luck to, to get injuries basically knocked him out of contention for those vital Champions League knockout games that every single PSG season since the Qataris arrived in 2011 have, have boiled down to and as a consequence, you know, made it very hard for him to contribute at that that crucial time in the season when the big players show up and, and, and win the crucial games and, and, and deliver the most important prizes in the sport. He also didn't help himself. I mean, you know, he he, he does have that that playboy side to him, um, you know, quite apart from being a slightly irritating player on the football pitch sometimes. <laughs> his his professionalism sometimes leaves a little bit uh, to be desired. And, and I think that in the last few years in particular has become more and more apparent. But we also shouldn't forget how scintillating early Neymar was at PSG because he took no time to settle. The player who they thought they were getting from Barcelona, just plugged straight into that PSG system and was one of the most exciting footballers that the French game has ever seen, potentially the most exciting footballer that the French game has ever seen. And 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 us, you know, slightly cynical, slightly older football journalists will judge his time at PSG, um, you know, quite harshly. But I think for younger PSG fans, you know, they will remember those years with an awful lot more fondness and so I think for, you know, for PSG supporters, while there's a feeling that, you know, it ultimately he didn't deliver the prizes that they hoped he would deliver, he still made, made a big impact. And it isn't only, you know, negative memories that he left behind, far from it. Renato, we'll come to you in just a second because I want to hear about Neymar in Brazil, all that kind of chat. You know, when I talk about it. I, honestly, <laughs> this, is, this is a real hot topic. But before that, let's go to Andrew Hankinson, who was just returned from a visit to Saudi Arabia and spoke to The Athletics, the daily football briefing, about his experience. Two big takeaways, really. The first one is attendances. The first match I went to was Al-Ali versus Al-Hazem, and it was pretty packed. The second match I went to was Al Riyadh up in Riyadh. And I mean, I think there was less than a thousand people there. And the third match I went to was in Deman, that was Al Latifak, where Jordan Henderson was making his debut, you know, this big star. And it was their first match of the season. And we're told that the stadium's capacity of 35,000, it didn't look quite that to me. But, you know, it was half full, and a third of the people who were there were on NASA fans. So that was really shocking. And then the, the other big thing is the heat. So Stephen Gerrard talked about this last night in his press conference where he said, you know, you can read about it, but it's very different when you're there. Jordan Henderson was playing in 35 degrees Celsius and he looked like a boxer whose legs had gone. You know, the players, rather than dazzling, they're coping. Well, there's a really interesting one uh, regarding uh, the, the Saudi Pro League because we, we, we're talking hot, hot temperatures right now. Uh, and players like Jordan Henderson, you know, let's let, let's face it, that Jordan Henderson probably isn't the most built player for 35 degrees plus. But for someone like Neymar, I mean, grew up in Brazil, tropical climate, this shouldn't be su such a bad thing for him, Renato. Not at all. I think he's used to play in this weather. Of course, not in Paris, but before in Brazil. To be honest, for him, maybe the, the weather in Saudi Arabia is better than here in London, for example. So 
I don't think the weather the weather is gonna be a problem. But I do think that people in Brazil are questioning a lot this Neymar decision, another decision of Neymar in his career. And everybody wants to see him, how he goes in Saudi Arabia League. Of course, in Brazil, we never care about the Saudi Arabia League. But now uh, it's already being broadcasting. The, the first round was already broadcasted in like one of the best, one of the biggest t televisions in Brazil. So it became a thing already in Brazil. Neymar has this power. You always criticize him, but where he goes, people follow him. Mm. And that's why there are still a lot of clubs interested in buying him. Maybe not here in Europe anymore, but in Saudi Arabia for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting point you make there. We're talking about this PSG project, right? And, you know, we're talking about a global brand. Um, they've lost Messi. Neymar, you know, he, he's a global brand. He adds that spice, that va-va-voom, that dazzle, that Hollywood uh, to, to, to a football team. Is this a, could this be a bit of a financial loss for PSG? Oh, I think it will be massively. Um, and you look at the the marketing and commercial terrain that, that PSG currently occupy. I mean, you know, they are one of the most successful clubs in the world from a marketing perspective. Um, I'm consistently surprised by the number of PSG jerseys that I see even in London. And it's the same in New York. It's the same in Tokyo. I mean, they have marketed themselves very successfully. If you based it purely on the number of people you saw wearing their replica shirts, you'd think they were one of the most successful and respected uh, <laughs> clubs in world sport which you know they probably aren't really in terms of on-pitch achievements uh and Neymar is central to that the Air Jordan deal that was struck in in, in 2018 that came down almost purely to, to Neymar who was still on Nike's books at the time um and you know had a, a long-standing relationship with with Michael Jordan and it, it was it was things like that 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 took PSG into the terrain of being a global brand uh, and you know you you hear a lot of marketing executives at modern football clubs talking about being able to make that shift and and basically dissociate uh, your club's profile from its sporting success because at the same time that PSG were kind of becoming a, a laughing stock in the Champions League at least they were also becoming one of the most visible clubs in the world and Neymar was central to that, more so even than Mbappe. I think he had a bigger impact in marketing terms than, than Zlatan Ibrahimovic had, certainly than, than, than David Beckham had. Messi obviously had a huge impact when, when he arrived, but you know was there for a much shorter period of time. Um, and it's an issue for PSG that you know, f again from a marketing perspective, that, that he is leaving. But it it all um, ties in with this sort of current approach, which is you know, the end of the bling bling era. I mean, we've heard this <laughs> a lot of times at PSG in recent years from many different mouths, but it, they do seem serious about it this time. We saw that with the the opportunistic uh, ban and fine that, that Messi was slapped with over that trip to, to Saudi Arabia at the end of last season, the decision not to take Mbappe on the, the pre-season tour of, of Japan and, and South Korea. Um, you know, they are determined to, to move away from this, this image that, that the club projects or has projected in recent years that it's the superstar players who basically decide what's what. Mm. Um, and, and, and so, you know, it will hit them in the pocket. It will hit French football in the pocket. There's a big TV rights negotiation coming up in September. This couldn't be more poorly tightened from Pierce to win. I mean, the one good news is that Mbappe looks like he's, he's going to stay. That saga's um, just baffling me and every it's just an all, day. <laughs> a whole other you know, can yeah. of worms in itself. But yeah, it, it will hit PSG financially. But they've basically got to a point 
in recent years where you know the, the, there is so much kind of negativity around the club this idea that the you know there's this kind of galacticos project that hasn't worked that they just need to break away from it and so they're basically accepting that you know they they're going to they're going to take that hit peter is is there a, a sense then you sort of alluded to that just then that psg really needs to move neymar on this summer, you know, I think we talked about it in the previous pod when we were talking about Mbappe. I mean, the fans weren't happy with him, um, you know, the protesting outside, you know, his house and also it clashed with the sporting director as well. Like this feels like a deal that sort of suits both parties. I can't, we can't really see anyone else offering those kind of wages for someone mm. like Neymar. Well, as, as Tom was saying, like Neymar is the epitome of their Galacticos tribute. He's the, he defines this era. I mean, he is that guy. He's the showman and Coming into this summer, it kind of felt like he was a little bit of the forgotten man. Now, obviously, he was injured. He had ankle surgery in March, so he missed, as as has been a regular occurrence, the back end of the season. Just Neymar was in the back burner, yet this key figure, this key player in a project that the club were going, we want to change direction here. We want a new era. We want to build players, not buy them. So he didn't really fit. And I think for a moment, there was that sense that when Luis Enrique came in, you thought, Maybe there's a, a new chance for him here. Maybe, especially if Mbappe goes, he'll be the last star left in the room. And maybe that's, you know, this is his moment to to take center stage for the sort of, you know, first time on his own. And then it just didn't happen. You know, Luis Enrique made it clear that, you know, he didn't really see him in his plans. And I think when we look at the Mbappe saga and how Mbappe has come back into the fold, you know, over the weekend, at the same time, Neymar's transfer has now progressed, you know, because there was an offer on the table, I think, relatively early in the summer from Saudi Arabia, from Al-Halal. Um, that didn't progress. There was almost this sort of waiting to see could what's going to happen here at PSG. We get to a point where PSG are trying to find a way to to resolve the Mbappe issue and and Neymar's future comes on the line and, and Al-Halal come in with an extraordinary offer and, and he goes. Um, there wasn't really another way out. That's the, that's the interesting thing because his contract at PSG was just so huge. Um, he had four more years to run at 31, around 30 million euros net to in, in contract. Um, that's the reason there wasn't interest. And we're still talking about a top, top player, you know, a really fantastic player on his day when he's fit, when he's available, when he's around and, and there aren't other distractions going on behind the scenes. But yet it's taken this a Saudi bid to, to prize him away. And, and, you know, without that, without that, maybe that Saudi investment, we, we don't really have this same conversation because otherwise it, it just felt like he was almost stuck there in this sort of love-hate relationship, which was defined by his relationship with fans who, you know, admired having him there, this player that chose to leave Barcelona, Barcelona with Messi and Suarez for, for PSG. And, it, you know, the, the protests in, in May, mm. he wasn't playing for PSG at the time, yet the fans go to his house. And that's because he was symbolic of that project. He was symbolic of this era that PSG are now trying to move away from. Renato, uh, I just want to come to you on this one um, because Tom alluded to it there. Like his, his early stages at PSG were, were pretty impressive. And if you look at his stats as well, 118 goals, 77 assists and 173 games for PSG, of course, he only played 55% of the possible matches it could have played, which is a real sadness. But I mean, for many players, those stats are very, very good. But also I, I think of the great dribblers from PSD, Juanadinho, uh, JJ Okocha, so good they named him twice. I mean, it's fair to say, excluding what you feel about his personality, this guy's a serious baller. He's a serious dribbler. Maybe the best I've seen. Mm. I, I remember Juanadinho Gaúcho, at his peak, mm. he was like, 
incredible, but Ronaldinho Gaúcho's peak lasted for only two seasons. And when you see Neymar, when he played for Santos, he played for three years for Santos. He was just incredible, never injured. Like, we cannot forget that he's made his debut with uh, at the age of 17. And he was already, like, so good. He was already much better than any other player in Brazil. And then in Santos, he, 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 he won every title he could. He won the Libertadores for the first time since Pelé. And he was the top scorer for Santos at the age of 19, 20. And then he went to Barcelona and he played so well in Barcelona. He was like a magician playing alongside uh, Messi, Luis Suarez, and he was like at their level. And then he goes to PSG. His first season at PSG was good. Even the second one, he, like he made like amazing goals, dribbles, but then always injured. In the most important moment of the season, he was always out of the squad. Maybe it's unlucky. I don't think it's only unlucky. At this level, at the level that the football is right now, you have to be 100% focused on training, on getting fit as Ronaldo, as Messi. And all of us, we, we know that he's not this guy. So that's what happened to his career. And when PSG fans see it, like we've been trying to win the Champions League. We have this guy here that's the most talented player right now on the whole world, but he doesn't train. He doesn't care. He's partying. So it's difficult. You said in the beginning, is he like uh, a genius, uh, the most talented player ever? He's everything in one player. Mm. He is a genius. Mm. He is the most talented player, but he's an unfulfilled talented. That, that, yeah, that's that's a good he's an unfulfilled it. talent. Mm. And everybody knows it. Mm. Even he knows it. There's an interesting argument about that move to PSG and moving to Ligue 1, that he joined what is quite a physical league. You know, and we think that to those first couple of injuries, you know, the metatarsals, weren't they? Mm. They were in sort of impacts. And I was wondering, is there sort of like a, maybe a regret in Brazil that he chose to go to Liga, mm. I mean, he showed and his talent. In Barcelona. Well, exactly, just to put himself in that environment because he obviously he still showed his ability, but then I don't think there's much questioning that you know his focus may not have been 100 percent all of the time. <laughs> but also, is there also that sense that maybe this wasn't the best league for him when La Liga may well have been? For sure, and not only because of the physical element of it, because come on, he was playing for Barcelona in that magical Barcelona with Suarez and Messi. He was he 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 won the Champions League there. And then he went to the French League. Of course, French League was getting bigger and bigger, but it was only about Champions League. Let's be honest, like in Brazil at that time, no one watched the gun so much. We started watching because of Neymar. He chose to go from the most important club in the world at that moment to try and, and like achieve everything at PSG. No one understood. So that's another question about Neymar's career. It feels like Every decision is based on money. Mm. And he can, he can say that it's not, but it's difficult to, to see why he chose. Because people say, oh, he wanted to be the best player in the world. He didn't want to be the shadow of Messi. But he always made clear, and I believe this, I believe in, in, in him when, when he said this. I didn't go to PSG to be the best player. I just saw the project. The project was good. But in my mind, it's, it is, I saw the money. The money was good. It was good for him to be, at that moment, the most expensive player in the world. He became so famous. Everybody talked about Neymar. Here, in Paris, in Brazil, in Asia, everybody talked about Neymar. But 
of course, for me and for most of Brazilian people, it was not the right decision, as it's not the right decision, this decision to go to, to Saudi Arabia. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. To be the new Pelé would be very difficult because my mother and my father, they closed the machine. <laughs> but no doubt, no doubt, he's one of the best players who have in Brazil. Messi will drop into that hole between the 18-yard box and the halfway line and draw defenders out, and then you have to deal with the interchanging runs of Suarez and Neymar. That is why I think they're so unmatched. All right, quick halftime substitution. Peter is off. Rolling in, nimbling up. 
Carl Anker is joining us in the studio. Renato's still here. Tom's still here. Uh, uh, Carl, uh, I know you're writing a piece on, on, on Neymar at the moment. Um, so fascinated from your perspective. He's, he's a silky guy. Regardless of what his off-pitch antics might say, we talk about Ronaldinho, we talk about JJ Okocha. I mean, he can be in that bracket of serious dribbler. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was Michael Cox who once observed that, ideally, whenever a football player gets onto the ball, no matter what age, level, bracket, talent, skill, when you get into possession, you have three choices. You can run with the ball, you can pass with the ball, or you can have a shot. And Neymar is probably one of the greatest football players when it comes to running with the ball up there with some of the greatest players when it comes to passing with the ball um and then having shots i mean i've seen some fantastic goals from neymar he's very close to the platonic ideal of what a child imagines a football player to be you know the the captain marvel thing of a a child gets hit by lightning and they're transformed into a superhero If you're a child on the playground, you get hit by a lightning, you get transformed into a football, you, you know, what a child thinks the best football player in the world looks like, you probably end up turning into Neymar. Yeah, I like that. Really nice superhero style. I'm, but I'm almost almost crying <laughs> <laughs> listening to him say. But uh, Renato, let, let's 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 shift this to a Brazilian perspective because I'm I'm really fascinated by how divided in opinion Brazilians are over Neymar. I was there um, just before Brazil had the Olympics and also um, the World Cup. And I was expecting everyone to be behind Neymar. You know, over in Europe, we see this dazzling superstar, um, Carl says, superhero-like dribbler, incredible player. And actually, for various reasons in Brazil, he doesn't have that kind of press, does he? He doesn't. Uh, At that time, I think it was less divided. Mm. I think it was, there were more people like that loved Neymar at that time. But if you ask people in Brazil right now, I think like most of the people don't like Neymar so much. First, because all over the world, people had this idea that Brazilian people are like just like partying. We are like just happy people. We don't like to work. We, we're not dedicated so much. And when you see football players in Premier League, for example, and when you see Casemiro, when you see Alisson, when you see Fernandinho, when you see Gabriel Jesus, these guys, like, they work so hard. They work so hard, yeah. They work so hard. We didn't want to see Neymar as the symbol of Brazil because, of course, the happiness is there. He, 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 he is a Brazilian, like, to the best sense of the word, but we do like to work. We do like to, to follow the rules. We don't want to be, like, talented, but, like, lazy. or So there's the, 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 what, there was always this divided opinion about him. And now he's not playing so good anymore. And now everybody knows that he didn't achieve what he could have achieved. Come on. He could have been like one of the best players ever. He could have been. He's, yeah, I agree, like he's complete. He can do everything with the ball. He's good with the left foot, right foot, header, outside the box, inside the box. He's fast, he's strong. Sometimes it, it doesn't seem like he's strong, but physically he's strong as well. So. It's just, in the end, if you ask people in Brazil now, people are sad about what could have been. I don't even think that Brazilians are divided. We have the young generation in Brazil that sees Neymar as a pop star, so they still love Neymar because of his outfits, because of his hairstyle, because of his dribbles, of course. But most of the older people in Brazil, we expected so much from Neymar, and he didn't deliver. I think, you know, when Brazil did host the World Cup, 
there was a moment where you, you saw what he could do. Um, I remember we were talking just before, I think the centre forward to that time was French, right? He wasn't the greatest centre forward, but that team was actually a very good team. Ramirez was on that team um, and, and, and many more big names. <laughs> Carl's going, I'm not sure. But it's real talk though, although he got injured in that tournament, you saw glimpses of him actually being a leader for once. I mean, I think he scored two goals in his first match in that World Cup and there was so much pressure on him to step up. What do you think makes Neymar so unique, uh, excluding all the other stuff, but what do you think makes him so unique as a, as a player? Excluding all his skills? Yeah. Uh, Neymar's generation was not the best generation in Brazilian football. He was the outstanding player. He was the... 70s player for Brazil. He was like the Pelé from this era. And you, you were right, like his first World Cup was really good. That, that time he was unlucky. He was injured in the quarterfinals against Colombia because he was playing so well. He scored four goals in five matches and the pressure was so high. Come on, it's a World Cup uh, in Brazil. Like everybody expected Brazil to win, but Brazil didn't have the best team. So everything was on Neymar's shoulders. That World Cup, he was good, but if you look at the other World Cups, 2018, he was recovering from injury, didn't score a single goal, didn't play well, was diving all the time. When we talk about 2022, again, he was injured in the beginning of the competition. He managed to come back. He was playing when Croatia beat Brazil in the penalty shootouts. He scored an amazing goal in overtime, but he was never the Neymar that we were, we were expecting him to be. Uh, so uh, we still put him as one of the best players in Brazilian history, but not one of the biggest players, and that's a difference. I think 2018 is the crucial moment in terms of global perceptions of Neymar, because that World Cup, people <laughs> were very unimpressed by, uh, I, mean, I suppose they were underwhelmed by his performances, but I think the diving became a, a real feature. <laughs> This is my new luggage. I call it Neymar. Mainly because of this. You barely touch it and it turns round and round for hours. And there were countless memes. I think we all remember the kind of the endless roly polies yeah, yeah, down yeah, the touchline yeah. that ends up, you know, being roly polies all around the world yeah. and all around <laughs> Neymar, yeah. the, the known universe. Um, and as, as Renato said, that the, the, the backdrop to that tournament was the injury that he'd had um, at PSG that ruled him out of the second leg of their, their Champions League tie against Real Madrid, who ended up knocking PSG out of the Champions League. He misses the end of the season. He's short of fitness. He's trying to catch up. He goes to the World Cup. He's a little bit undercooked. Brazil underperformed. Neymar underperforms. People take against him. 2018-19 with PSG. He's brilliant again. He's still the boss at that stage. Mbappe is 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 still emerging, but Neymar is the main man, and he's brilliant. He gets injured again, and then when uh, uh, PSG are turfed out of the Champions League by Manchester United with that stoppage time Marcus Rashford penalty, Neymar standing there on the touchline in his civvies, looking on with his mouth open, unable unable to believe what's happening, and he just becomes a meme, and he that image, that specific image becomes, I think more than almost any other image, the image of uh, the failures of the Galacticos project at, at PSG. The following season, 2019-20, of course, you know, COVID disrupts everything. And that's when PSG come as close as, 
as they would during his time at the club to winning the Champions League. And he's brilliant he's in, 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 the, in the knockout rounds. He scores um, in both legs against Borussia Dortmund in the last 16. And then in the quarterfinal against Atalanta in Lisbon, um, he saves PSG from humiliation. They're 1-0 down in the last minute. He sets up the equaliser for Marquinhos. He plays a brilliant pass inside the fullback for Neymar, who crosses for Eric Maxim promoting to score the winner. Another assist in the semi-final against RB Leipzig. And then that knife-edge final. He has a one-on-one in the first half that Manuel Neuer saves. Mbappe misses a big chance when it's when it's nil-nil. Mbappe should have had a penalty when, when PSG are 1-0 down and they lose. And with it goes his best chance to win uh, the Champions League with PSG and his best chance to achieve the one thing that he, he went to PSG to win. And from that point on, he is eclipsed by Mbappe on the pitch. He's he's less and less the main man. The injuries go from being impact injuries, broken metatarsals, ankle injuries, to muscular injuries, the sorts of things you get when your off-pitch life is is not quite as professional as, as, as it could be. And there's this sort of very steady drift into the position he's found himself in recent years of, of being the kind of unwanted symbol of this this failed project. Um, and I think in terms of sort of the yeah global perceptions of him, that really kind of starts to accelerate in 2018. Yeah, I think there's an injury you forgot, the certain birthday injuries, but we're not we're not going to talk about and, <laughs> and, and the birth, not forgetting the birthday party suspensions as well. I think Tom's correct. I think if you know if you you load up your Twitter app right now, you typed in Neymar in the GIF file, you do get the image of him in his civvies, looking shocked, mouth agape, baseball cap, dangly earring, after Manchester United, not PSGL. Neymar, the enduring images of Neymar aren't of his greatest triumphs, but of him being a bystander after footballing disasters. The life has been sucked out of the Parc de France. See the French, French cameraman pans up to Neymar now. Neymar, there he is. He's downstairs now. So you have Neymar being, you know, fighting back tears in the video where he's telling Brazil that he's fractured his vertebrae in 2014. You have the image of of Neymar in, in 2019 looking shocked in the baseball cap after Manchester United have knocked, knocked out PSG. There's the image of Neymar after the Champions League final in 2020 in, in Lisbon where the camera is frankly far too close up to his face and you feel like a voyeur as he is in tears as PSG have lost this Champions League final. And then in Qatar, there's the image of him just completely distraught after Brazil get knocked out on penalty shootout against Croatia. Neymar's story is unfortunately his great successes have burnished the image of other great football players, you know, Name, the remontada doesn't happen without Neymar. Mm. That is the greatest mm. 10 minutes of football mm. of Champions League players. You know, 10 minutes of Champions League football you will ever see. It's three goals in seven minutes and I want to say 30 seconds. Free kick, penalty, assist. That doesn't happen without Neymar. And yet the enduring image of the remontada is of Messi. And that went to serve Messi's image and Neymar's goal in the 2015 Champions League final against Juventus. Okay, you've got Neymar with 100% Jesus in his headband, but most of the images of that final are of Messi. So Neymar's great victories help make Messi better and Messi's Barcelona legacy better. And yet Neymar's defeats often have a camera zoomed in Mm. on his face as he's crying. And I think he is at the forefront of a number of players that Tom, Tom says 2018 is the real turning point. 
I think there's a number of players, Neymar, Eden Hazard, Paul Pogba, to a slightly lesser degree, Kevin De Bruyne, who were all looking ready to become the best football player in the world. And then one, Kylian Mbappe, appears out of nowhere in that 2000... Well, not out of nowhere. Kylian Mbappe appears <laughs> on the world team. I'm not going to say that now. Yeah. I know Tom knew who Mbappe was before. I mean, in, yeah, fairness, course, in, in fairness to well, Coco, he kind, of, he kind of does come out of nowhere. I mean, no one had heard of him at like 18 months previously, literally. So I th- that's about as out of nowhere as footballers come from these days. Okay, so Mbappe appears. In, so Mbappe appears in 2018, has that quarterfinal against Lionel Messi, the 4-2, and everyone goes, wait, I thought Neymar's going to be the next great thing in football. Who is this Mbappe kid? And then, of course, in 2019, 2020, you have the COVID-disrupted seasons. And ever since then, we've, we've still not had a quote-unquote regular international tournament since COVID. We've had COVID-disrupted Copa Americas. We've got COVID-disrupted European Championships. We've had a COVID-disrupted Qatar you know, World Cup to, to a lesser effect. So all the big opportunities for football players to make their claim for the Ballon d'Or, so to speak, has gone or, or been disrupted by COVID and been disrupted by the fact that Mbappe turned up. So this has been really frustrating for Neymar in that he his game plan, I'll go to PSG, win a Champions League, and then that's my team and I'll get my Ballon d'Or and I'll do what I need to do. Nope, sorry. This is now Mbappe's team. Or he, he goes to that World Cup and he has a good tournament. Nope, sorry. This is now Mbappe's France, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hello there, James Richardson here. If, like me, you take an interest in the continental version of the beautiful game, then you should check out the Totally Football Show European Edition. Every Tuesday, I'm joined for the show by James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Julian Laurence, and Alvaro Romeo as we cover all the big European stories. Expect all the footballing insight you need on the Totally Football Show European Edition, which you can enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to check out video versions of the show over on our YouTube channel. Renato, can we have sympathy for, for, for Neymar? I mean, his time of coming through in football, Messi, Ronaldo, the Portuguese Ronaldo. I mean, so you're looking to professionals of the game, you know, and whatever he does, it's in aid of their progress, not for Neymar. And perhaps there's this sort of, why am I even trying anymore? You know, like, there's nothing I can do that's going to usurp Messi or perhaps maybe train a bit more. You know, I, I don't I don't know what, what the argument is here because I, I think if you want to be a top player, you step up. But, I mean, who steps up to Messi or, or, or Ronaldo? I, I do have sympathy for him, but in a different level. Mm-hmm. I have sympathy because, as I said, I don't think he really cares about it. At this moment in his life, and I'm not lying. He, I don't think he, he is looking back and said, oh, I could have won the Ballon d'Or. No, he's looking back and said, I enjoy my life. <laughs> I enjoy my life. I play football in Barcelona. I play football in the World Cup. I play football in PSG. I had a lot of, a lot of parties. I had a lot of girlfriends. I have millions and millions of followers on Instagram. I have a lot of money. So I, I do have sympathy in this sense. Like, in the end, it's his choice. It's his life. He does whatever he wants to do. But in terms of competing against Ronaldo and Messi, I don't have sympathy because at this moment in time, he was the one that should be winning the Ballon d'Or every season. Like, because Ronaldo is not at his peak anymore. Uh, Messi is not at his peak anymore. So if he was as professional as them, he would be winning the Ballon d'Or. He would be, he would be the most important player right now 
Or no? Honestly, you're all chomping at the bit. Carl's raised his hand early on. Like, what's it getting? Tom, I'll come to you in a second. Carl, talk. I, I, I agree. You know, I agree to an extent. I think some of Neymar's wounds are self-inflicted. There have been games where Neymar has switched it, you know, that World Cup quarterfinal against Croatia. The goal he scores is the sort of goal that only happens in films. Of yeah, just amazing. Oh God, I've got to do it now and get my team over the line. Yeah. That is a fantastic goal, and that should have been the moment, and that should have led to the the semi final that everyone wanted, which was Brazil versus Argentina. And then Fred loses the ball high up the field, Croatia score, and it all falls apart. It's very, very hard to to compare players to, to Messi and Ronaldo because yes, these are two of the greatest football players of all time, and their era of success is something we've never seen before. You know, 10, 10 years of Ballon d'Or victories between the two. Is, is ridiculous. You know, we've seen very good players have fantastic seasons and not win Ballon d'Ors. I'm still annoyed Wesley Schneider didn't win one after Inter Milan win a treble. Okay, I know he had a bad Insane second that half season. of that. Insane. Yeah, true. I'm, you know, I'm still mad that uh, Robin and or Ribery didn't get one in the in the year Bayern Munich did a treble too. Like there, there are years where some of these players should have put should have possibly got one ahead of Messi and Ronaldo, but it didn't happen. But the thing with Neymar that is well identified because he likes partying because he likes going on yachts, because he likes red wine. He never had the consistent body of work to do it. There are moments when Neymar is the greatest football player in the world. There is a season where Messi's injured for two months at Barcelona and Neymar takes over and he looks incredible. And you're going, this is it. This is happening. Messi comes back and you're like, oh, fair enough. I suspect that in the fullness of time, Neymar will be judged more kindly as a footballer than than we're judging him now in the sense that that idea of the playboy footballer when it's happening and when you know that there's a player who has vast uh, talents and is not quite making the most of them it inevitably makes headlines um and creates frustrations um whether that's from supporters or from journalists or ex-players or, or whoever, this guy is so good. Why doesn't he just knuckle down a little bit and, and, and eke out even more of his talent? And then the years pass and you forget about that irritation. You remember the joy that that player gave you. And it is without lapsing into cliche, but it is a you know, particularly Brazilian particularity. You think, you know, Romario, Ronaldinho, these were players who, you know, were not uber professional and we love them for Ronaldinho it. Ronaldinho didn't train. <laughs> I mean, train. Uh, you know, it's and, already and happening. Sorry to interrupt you. It's already happening with Ronaldinho. We had the same like yeah. discussion under Ronaldinho. Come on, this guy can be the best ever. Mm. But he likes to party. Come on. So, but now, like, but what do you remember when Ronaldinho? Now, now everybody talk, talks about Ronaldinho. The greatest player ever. Yeah. The greatest dribbler ever. You're right. You're right, Tom. Now this is interesting in that if you know, as a question, who do you think had a better career? Ronaldinho or Neymar? Yeah. Open question to everyone in the room. That's a, oh, that's a that's a big one. I think I think Neymar. Yeah, I think I, it's, I I think in terms of trophies, in terms of in terms of statistics, yeah, I think well, Neymar as well. And now, who do who do Brazil love? I think right now Ronaldinho, but in ten years' time, maybe it will be Neymar. It's like we've, people we've, will forget we've, about we've, this. We've been making the comparison with JJ Acocha and Ronaldinho when they when they were at PSG. Acocha was at PSG for four years. He won one Trophée des Champions, which is the French Community Shield, and one Intertoto Cup. Ronaldinho was there for two years and won nothing. People loved them then, and they and they love them now. And 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 PSG fans who remember that era, players who played for PSG, um, you know, in 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 more recent times, who grew up watching that team, still love that team. And it won nothing. 
uh, and they love those players and those players basically won nothing and and Neymar won an awful lot he didn't win the one thing that everyone wanted him to win but he came, he came quite close to it um, and he also gave people an awful lot of joy I, I think all the criticism that is leveled against him is justified because he could have done more but he, he did quite a lot at the same time, and and I think for perhaps more so for fans than for journalists, we were, I guess we you know we have slightly different perspectives. I think in the fullness of time, some of those shortcomings will be will be forgiven, and because you know there becomes a point when your memories of a footballer become not the kind of you know the constant uh, daily grind of of newspaper headlines about you know late arrival at training sessions or unsanctioned nightclub visits, but it's just. It, you know, flickering images across your memory of ah oh, that that goal, that nutmeg, that rainbow flick, or, or whatever. It's the YouTube YouTube compilation that you dip into on an idle Tuesday afternoon, and and he's got all that stuff in 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 the bank. So yes, the criticism is is, is justified. Yes, he could have done more, but you know he did quite a lot. And you know, I, I, I guess we shouldn't be speaking him in the past tense, <laughs> yeah, because true. he yeah. he's still playing football. He, he, is still... <laughs> he is still he is still a professional football look, player. I, I, I think look, it, it, this is a really interesting conversation and particular debate around what we expect footballers to be. Right? I mean, you can from an English perspective, you can look at Georgia Best, you can look at Paul Gascoigne, and people do remember them for their moments of magic on the field. Right? Um, JJ Okocha from a Nigerian perspective, oh my goodness me, like what that guy did on the field was exemplary. Could he? have been better of course like could he have made better decisions in his career of course you know and 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 that's the worry is that sometimes we burden human beings fundamentally with this idea that you have to be professional you have to be the best in the world what if you're just happy to play football and get paid you know Carl, quick one. I heard, got to go. I heard you sneak in your parent voice in there. I heard that. <laughs> when, I, when I talk Nigerian, I'm like. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. I heard. I heard the. I heard the disapproving grandparent voice in there. Um, several years ago, I once talked to a player who came through Chelsea's academy, and big things were expected of him. He, you know, you in the football manager games and the FIFA games, they're all giving him ridiculously high ratings after four or five seasons that this player could become the best in the world. And then this career didn't turn out the way it did. I remember interviewing them and saying, do you ever think about how you know FIFA, whatever, said you're going to be 91 rated? And I remember this player looked me in the eye and said, I'll put it to you this way. Have you ever put your alarm clock on snooze? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I did it today. He goes, well, that, that's the difference. He goes, that, that's the difference between becoming that sort of football player that everyone, you know, the machines think you can be uh, and the human reality of what happens. Some days you, you can't do it. Some days you want to put on snooze. Some days you don't want to go for a run. Some days the training routine you've done four or five times just goes wrong and you feel a tweak in your knee and they say, mm, that's it, you're out for two or three weeks. And yes, we should allow greater patience and more leeway to football players that don't, meet the ridiculous expectations that we as a collective put upon them. You know, I, I always think about, you know, just before the 7-1, just Louise and Julio Cesar holding Neymar's shirt and going, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, there was such like a, a feeling of mourning about his absence in that game, which then led to its own yeah. tragedy. Do we really have um, to remember about this match? Really? <laughs> and that's going to get Sorry. through podcast. All our, all all our journalists are, are really I'm leaving now. Really I'm want to hear more from this. They want to hear more about but, this. Uh, but I, I, I do think, and we, sh we should be more forgiving. However, 
and this is the this is the less rational part of my brain. The more rational the rational part of my brain goes, yes, we should be forgiving. The less rational part of my brain is if you are one of the few people on this planet that can do it, and it can be however you want to describe it or not. If you if the stars have aligned in such a way that it really does look like you can be the person who can be a football you know, a human being that will be in the history books for however long, whatever. Shouldn't you try? And I think that is a irrational thought I have. And I always think of, you know, the, the parable of the talent. Like, don't hide it. Don't bury it. You need to go out there and you need to try and do whatever you can to, to do as best as you can. And I think that's been the frustration with Neymar. That's, this even goes down to the diving. When people go, why are you falling over? If you just stayed up, you could still do amazing things. To which Neymar would say, I have to fall over because if I don't, I'm going to get injured more and more. And I'm not going to get protected. And that's always been the run. We've always wanted Neymar to be something more than human. And yet, very often, especially in those moments of defeat, Neymar has proven himself to be a very human football player. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll throw that back at you. You've just sent it to West African dad. That was the longest monologue on Neymar <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. But we'll end it there. <laughs> Carl, always a pleasure. Renato, thank you. Tom and Peter as well. Now, remember, you can read more from the likes of Pete and Carl on Neymar on The Athletic and keep right up to date with all of this summer's transfer window activity. Sign up today for just $1.99 a month for an entire year at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. And if you were expecting more on the England women's team reaching the World Cup final, this is massive. Make sure you catch up with the Athletic Women's Football Podcast now. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.